0: Hey guys, this is Ryan Mayfield and you are listening to the No Name RC Podcast.
1: Hey, so what's up guys? It's your main man Lefty and this is episode 20 of the No Name RC Podcast. And our special guest today is the man himself, Ryan Mayfield. What's going on, Ryan? How are you?
0: Not much, man. Just uh, waking up, getting the day going. Things are going good.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. You just uh, came off your victory in Vegas. Uh, That was what, the J Concepts Turf Nationals or something like that? Yeah, Jason's
0: doing a series of uh, carpet tracks. I think he's doing four venues, I believe, um, just kind of coinciding with his Dirt series. And, uh, you know, they're separate, they're separate, of, uh, separate championships, but he's kind of trying to do the same thing he's been doing with Dirt for the past handful of years. He wants to just kind of uh, get the carpet scene a little bigger in America, which it's surprisingly pretty big there is a lot of tracks and it's it is a lot of fun to race on for sure
1: yeah i think um i I raced over in england i wouldn't call what i was doing racing but i got my first taste of turf and and carpet there and i enjoyed it you know a lot of people are against it but i think it's i think it's good for getting new people in the hobby as well so yeah i mean
0: it definitely it takes a little bit out of the racing as far as the tire game goes you know, well, as long as it's like a spec tire race, I'm sure if it was open tire at a big race, it might turn into a nightmare, uh, just like anything. But everything we're doing right now is spec tire, so you just show up, put these tires on your cars, and then you just worry about car setup and driving. And it, you know, that that's definitely fun, um, and it's crazy fast. I mean, yeah. mod is unreal fast.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Basically, you just put as much power in as possible, and then you know, just got to take it easy on the trigger.
1: Yeah.
0: But uh, yeah, it's cool. I think it's another another side of racing that, like you said, can maybe, uh, bridge the gap to, um, bring more people, more people in and more, yeah, I think it'll, it can bring more people in, uh, to racing that might not otherwise see it because I think it could make it more, uh, you know, it can make it easier for people to actually build tracks in different locations. And, you know, a lot of people don't. Uh, People that own buildings don't want people to bring in a bunch of dirt and moisture. It causes mold. And, you know, with carpet, you don't have to do that. So, um, yeah, I think it's cool. I think it can definitely, it has a good spot in the future of racing. I don't think it eliminates dirt ever, Mm -hmm. um, but it can definitely be a big part of our racing in the future.
1: Yeah, there will always be room for dirt. It's just that. You know, like you said, it's harder. It's it's easier with turf It's also easier for the for the for the racer because it, they don't have to spend a whole bunch of money on tires trying to figure it out, and then they can worry more about car setup, like you said, which is important. People need to learn yep. that. So, just I, obviously, everybody knows you, but people that may not know you, which I don't think anybody exists. You're Ryan Mayfield. You're 32 years old. Yep. You're from Arizona. Yep. You, have, uh, you won the 2017 10th scale two-wheel drive, four-wheel drive, IFMAR World Championship. You've won Reedy Race. You have multiple DNC wins, multiple national titles. Probably won every big race that's out there in America. And you've done it maybe twice, correct? Yeah,
0: probably. First. Wh- I've been racing for a long time, so yeah.
1: Which race in America haven't you pretty much won yet, you think? That's still around. As far as national
0: championships, the only one I haven't won that I've tried to race is Tool Drive Mod, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um, which uh, is definitely something I want to accomplish. And uh, as far as, that's probably about it in America. Mm -hmm. Um, The Neo Buggy race in England, I never won. I went to it a lot. Yes, Um, I got the closest I got. I think I got second a couple times. And that was a tough race, man. That thing that every year I'd leave uh frustrated and wanting more yeah. um but yeah it never happened sadly it's not around anymore I wish it was um but yeah that would have been nice to have that one on the shelf as well
1: yeah it's a it's a pres- it was a prestigious a prestigious race I mean they're having dxrs having the race in the same location this year. And that's good. I think that's great because they need a a really big eight scale race in England. And I I think they're doing it exactly, I think, the schedule like Neo, which was really good. Mm -hmm. Um, And hopefully it builds up to the prestige that Neo was. And then more people can go to it and enjoy it. I know I'm going to enjoy watching it. So it should be good. Yeah. I I think. Sorry, go ahead.
0: Yeah, DXR always put on a great event. And, uh, you know, I hope that they can do something that
1: is sustainable there
0: because it was cool just the facility staying on campus at a college like that and um but for sure the they always built a great track and with everybody knowing who neo buggy was you know it always gave it that prestige and that worldwide you know kind of uh reach as far as media goes so yeah yeah, i I wish them luck i hope they do go good with it
1: i i hope so too so we're gonna we're not gonna go too deep into your early days because i mean a lot of people kind of know how you started but i like to say you're the final edition of the podium it was Tebow Cavallari and you you guys kind of I, I don't know who was first out of you guys who kind of got into this and became popular but it's you three guys that kind of when I was in RC back in the day you were the young guys coming up and he's getting faster and faster and you know I've, in my time the fast guys were like Degani and Saxton and Bill Hagen and um you know the, Chad Bradley, Jason Ashton, but you guys are the up and comers coming behind them and then you started beating them. So we can start from there. Like where did you where did you and Tebow and Cavalleri kind of cut your, you know, cut your teeth? I know it was Gas Truck too, because Tebow always says it was Gas Truck that he really got started. How about yourself?
0: Uh I was a little late to the game as far as that goes. Cavalier was I think Cavalier is probably the first of us to really you know, go to the next level because he won the Worlds in 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, Tebow did start in gas truck. Uh, I know Ryan and I really started in kind of 2-wheel drive mod, racing ten scale. And uh, at the time of kind of me becoming a, you know, up-and-comer as far as the pro level goes, that was kind of really the the boom of, the beginning of the boom of Nitro in America. Like the late 90s, early 2000s, or I should say through the 90s or the 2000s, nitro racing wasn't quite as big in America as it is now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, uh, you know, there was only a a couple of A-scale cars, and, you know, they were obviously very expensive, and there wasn't that many tracks. So um, gas truck was always kind of around. And, um, yeah, I don't know if it was just because I wasn't really racing the full scene, but, you know, people didn't really talk about going to nitro races. There was, you know, it was the Cactus Classic was the bigger bent. Um the hot rod hobby shootout, the reedy race. Um, so yeah, you know, when I started uh, you know, kind of becoming a pro Richard Saxton, uh obviously I was working for Associated and and Thunder Tiger at the time and um you know, he kinda helped me get my gas truck game going a little bit and you know, asked if I wanted to try some A scale and of course uh, I kinda dabbled in it uh by myself, you know, before having sponsor support uh back when my dad was flipping the bill for most of the stuff and um yeah he got me on thunder tiger and uh you know basically with Richard's help he kinda showed me the, the ways of how to make the car the car work and you know how the engines work and all that stuff and uh yeah it was fun. Um you know I wasn't I didn't really know Ryan or Jared, you because know, I grew up in uh Arizona. They were both in California. And I kind of met them just, uh, by going to these events and doing well. And, you know, I guess when you notice somebody, you're same age doing kind of the same stuff, uh, you know, you kind of become friend friends automatically, you know, Tebow and I were teammates on associated and Ryan ran for Losey at the time. Um, but yeah, we've known each other for a long time. And it's uh, it's been fun racing with, the, with those guys through all this for sure.
1: Yeah. It's funny. You may mention, uh, saxton because when i did the tebow interview but like earlier on, he he was very he said saxton was one of the guys that were very influential and taught him a lot back in the day as well and even uh saxton mentioned you and cavallari and and tebow as well so that's a one common denominator that you guys have and i guess it worked out for you guys because you guys are all champions
0: yeah i know richard richard's the man you know he's been doing this for a long time and uh yeah. He taught me a lot and he's still here. And, uh, you know, now, uh, we're still friends and, you know, he comes over and asks me questions about stuff. I ask him questions about stuff and, um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's cool. It's cool to see Richard still around. I appreciate everything he did for me in the past and, uh, he's doing it again with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Rifkin and, uh, you know, I, I see he helps Ongaro when, uh, when he is around Ongaro. and, uh, yeah, he's a good guy for the industry. He's, uh, he's definitely one of the first to take in the young talent and show him the ways the road
1: oh yeah oh yeah i enjoyed my talk with richard he's uh he's good people he's got some great stories and he's he's very humble and i like that about him too yep you know yep. and that's good stuff uh your first real breakout race was the cactus class cactus classic i'm not sure what year it was i don't know how old you was when was that
0: uh that was 2003 um yeah i had raced the cactus that was my home race um i don't i don't know my first cactus probably Mm -hmm. 93 94 Mm -hmm. something like that um but yeah 2003 was the first time i did anything in the mod class for sure
1: so you was what like what age at this time 2003 so let's go back yeah 17 16 something like that so you're still young was you still in school and all that stuff
0: yeah i was still in high school Uh, i wasn't racing uh, you know, I was 75% sponsored by Associated and Reedy, um, you know, not a pro driver by any means. I wasn't traveling, going to any events um, just because, you know, didn't have the money, uh, obviously, school. So, um, yeah, it was uh, basically the first year the, the B4 uh, Associated came out with a new two-wheel drive car. Um, and, uh, I got it the week before the event, built it, uh, at the track with my buddy Billy Fisher that I used to race with a lot and, uh, just kind of worked on my own with, uh, like my local friends, Scott Spear, Billy Fisher, a few other guys that I raced with all the time and somehow found a setup that worked really well. And, uh, you know, I went, uh, TQ two-wheel drive modified, ended up winning, uh, a two and a three. Um, I think I raced stock buggy the same year. Uh, I think I actually got beaten stock buggy by really? Billy, um, but I won mod. You know, beat all the top guys, and uh, I had an invoice on my table to pay for that buggy. And Mike Reedy came over and was like, yeah, you don't have to worry about paying for that car. You're fine." You know, so
1: <laughs> that's awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was kind of cool. It was definitely unexpected, and uh, it definitely launched a uh, launch to where I am today.
1: So. So after that, that's your, that's like your first one. Let's say that's your first 100 deal. And where did it go from there? I mean, you had to finish school. Did you, after after that race, did you start racing more, traveling more? Yeah, I didn't,
0: you know, I didn't think much of it. You know, there, I'd always had kind of the driving talent. But back then, there wasn't really much of a, this idea of being a pro. You know, there was, there was sponsored guys, but, you know, these guys also worked at, you know, the companies, you know, like Billy Easton, Mark Kavitas. Kenwell didn't work at Losey, but, you know, all these guys lived in California, basically. There was only a few guys that didn't live in California that, you know, were considered pro guys, and, you know, there wasn't much talk of, you know, people getting paid, and there wasn't that many companies back then. You know, now there's so many companies, there's so many avenues you can go down um, to try to be a, you know, a quote-unquote pro driver. Um, so after that win, I just thought, okay, this is, you know, that was fun. It's fun to win, obviously. And, um, Brent, uh, Thelkey, the team associate team manager, is from Arizona as well. And he had just kind of taken on the role of the team manager, moved to California for Associated. And, uh, he mentioned him, you know, we kind of just talked like they were going to try to help me maybe get to a couple events that year. Um, like the hot rod shootout and the nationals and that was about it. So I went to both of those events and did uh pretty well. The nationals in Albuquerque, the track was essentially, you know, kind of the same as what the cactus was something. They were kind of all the tracks back then were like that, like outdoor, really high bite, um, a lot of tire wear. So I went there and did pretty well. I think I finished on the podium in truck mod. Um, not really sure the rest of the results, but um yeah i i think 2005 is probably when i really became you know did the full traveling circus as we like to call it like that was my first world championship in italy um so yeah i mean it was uh i would say it was a slow start i definitely didn't jump mm-hmm. all the way into it at first
1: what was you No, you, you finished because uh in america you guys finished school at 18 was, was you working on anything besides rc car racing
0: Yeah, well, my parents were janitors. for. uh, That's what they did for a job. They worked at the Boys and Girls Club, and uh, I would go to work with them. They would go to work really early in the morning, um, and I would go with them and help them um, kind of before school, go to school. And then I was also in automotive school and worked at uh, Big O' Tires for a while. Um, I kind of worked for my buddy's tree trimming company, that that, uh, you know, obviously tree service, yes. you know, basically any tree removal or tree trimming, that job sucked for sure. <laughs> um, and then uh, I worked at a grocery store. Uh, that was probably my first job, like outside of working with my parents, you know, just bagging groceries and stuff right. like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I did a couple.
1: So you've had real you life know, experience. You've had real world work experience before you became yeah, a worked, pro driver. Yes,
0: I've worked real jobs and, you know, I know. I know I'm lucky to be able to do what I do, mm-hmm.
1: and uh,
0: yeah, I definitely don't want to go back to trimming trees. That's for sure. No, I respect anybody that does it. Yeah, it's, it's tough work. it
1: is. I mean, I think that's really important because now nowadays we have we have parents taking their kids out of school and putting them in homeschool to like focus on RC racing and stuff like that. And to me, I I get it what they're what they're trying to do, but I also think that takes away from a kid's experience in high school. And I think okay, ki- I think all people like when I was 16, dude, I was out working. Like I, we finished in Bermuda, we finished school at 16. I was working, I was traveling. Like I came on my first trip here to the Dominican Republic and stuff like that. So I definitely think that's a good thing for kids. Even if your, your goal is to be RC pro, a pro RC racer, a real world job. So, you know, you want to even work even harder to be a, a pro RC guy if you can do it. So good yeah. stuff, man. I, I think that's cool. Now, as you was coming up, well, we kind of, when, I, well, before we get, when did you transition to full-time professional? Like, I'm getting paid for this.
0: Well, I, I don't really remember exactly. I don't, I think maybe before the Worlds in Italy, I was getting like a little bit of money. Like, I think my first paycheck, um, I want to say was maybe $500 a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went to the Worlds in Italy. And uh, TQ four-wheel drive, I finished third in both classes. Um, I think I had a pretty good year outside of that world. And um, then I, I think that my next pay raise was maybe up to $800. I remember getting $800 for quite a while, and I decided to move to California to try to refocus on what i wanted to do like i knew i wanted to race and uh i was kind of hanging out with not a great group of guys outside of rc in arizona and uh getting into trouble and stuff so i woke up one morning and decided you know what i got to get out of here so i packed up my car and left didn't really tell anybody and uh i was only there for a year but that was a big year for me as far as just learning the ropes of rc and seeing how you know at the time, the real pro guys were, were doing it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it wasn't like, uh, you know, you don't, you don't win one race and all of a sudden they hand you a fat check. You know, it, it was, uh, something that I loved to do and, uh, made sacrifices to do as as well as my parents did. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's crazy where it's taken me and I, uh, it's been, it's been fun looking back it's always great stories I mean anytime I'm with Joe Pillars and Cavalieri because we lived together I slept on their couch for a couple months and you know the, that was good times going to SoCal and burn laps and uh causing trouble it was it was
1: good yeah I mean you it's it's good to see that and I'm glad you say that because a lot of people have this in their brain that if I could just win this one race I'm gonna be a pro it doesn't really work like that you have to it, it takes a lot of work, man. Like anything in life, it it's a lot of work. And in RC, it's even harder because it's we have so it's such a small window to do it. So right,
0: yeah. I mean, you're only as valuable as your last race, you know. And until you get to a certain level, you know, once once you can show companies and uh, you know sponsors that you can go anywhere and perform on the same level um, that you typically do um that's when you truly become a pro driver you know mm-hmm. doing having one good weekend even say you beat everybody you know that you beat the best in the world that really doesn't show that you can do this you have to go to the next week and do it again mm-hmm. and the next week and do it again and the only way you can do that is by coming home and putting your results behind you and focusing on the next week yes. and uh, i think that's what some people forget and you know they just kind of sit and relish in their results and you know that's not that's not how you keep yourself motivated you know what i mean
1: Mm -hmm. who were some of the drivers that you looked up to uh when you was coming up through the ranks who were some of the guys you try to i wouldn't say emulate but you know i want to beat him or i want to be like him or i want to be better than him whatnot
0: yeah i don't remember anybody in particular that i wanted to emulate or Or beat, um, I remember going to the Reedy race in the late nineties, I think 95, 96, 97, my parents took me to the Reedy race and remember every, you know, they had the invite class like they do now and all the pro, you know, all the invite guys pitted in the same spot. And, um, my mom would have a coffee pot and, you know, always have snacks and all that stuff. And, Mike Reedy would always be around, you know, drinking coffee and talking with my parents. So it was, you know, it was really cool how, uh, he spent time speaking with me and, and my parents and we were nobodies, you know, we were just people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, another, uh, Mike obviously wasn't a pro driver, but he was a, you know, a legend. Even then everybody knew who Mike Reedy was. And then, uh, meeting Derek for he still works for Kyosho, He was, uh, I remember he just was different. Like, you know, he had really long hair and he was super funny and out, you know, outspoken. And um I kind of gravitated towards him and you know, I would uh I always wanted to put his car down. I remember he ran like a Predator four-wheel drive car at one point. I remember looking at that thing like this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life, you know what I mean? Like Yeah. And uh yeah, he let me like put his car on the track and I thought that was the best thing ever. And, uh, you know, all those guys back then, most of those guys were really cool. I remember Matt Francis, Mark Francis being really nice. Um, and it was just, uh, you know, I looked up to them as far as just, you know, wanting to be able to do what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember just looking at everybody's cars cause back then it was like an art to build a car. Yeah. You know, now you can just build a kit and anybody, you can make your car, anybody can make their car look like my car. And, Back then, you would look at like Brian Kinwald's car, and it was like, "Holy crap, that thing is!" You know, you didn't couldn't even recognize what it was. It was yeah. so cool. You know what I mean? So it was definitely different back then. Just walk, you know, getting to see those guys, getting to see all their stuff. Um, you know, there was no social media. You had magazines. Yes. Um, you had to wait two, three months to even see results from yep. the the last big event. Um. So yeah that that was that was cool. To be able to go see that um, at such such a young age and um, yeah, that was yeah. good those were, good I times. remember those
1: times man RC car action like begging my mom to buy that like for a month and you know then I would like work and make enough money to get them and then ordering my first car through the magazine oh, I was crazy it was good stuff yeah you know, that's good yeah. times in the nineties. Um, also, a big influence in your career has been Jason Rona. I mean, he I've talked to him a numbers, numerous times. He talks extremely highly of you. You have kind of been with Jay Concepts from the beginning, I want to say. Yep. And, and you've been with him for a long time now. Uh, how influential has Jason been in your decisions in your career over the years?
0: Yeah, Jason and I have been uh, working together since the beginning, basically. Kind of before there even was a J Concepts, I don't really remember. I think I met Jason. He worked at Proline in the '90s, and I ran for Proline. I think that's when we first met. And then he started uh, when I started kind of going into the racing scene more, um, or the the touring scene, I should say.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They were they had just done the B the BJ4, like the first version that he had ran at the 2003 Worlds and uh they were starting at the time associated didn't have a four-wheel drive car so he was kind of starting to work with them to get their drivers like mark pavitas and um scott brown and a few of these guys to run his car basically and uh i was kind of right there on the cusp of all that happening i was already he had been making bodies kind of in his garage so i was running his bodies just because i liked the way they looked Um, but I was running pro line tires and yeah, I don't know, just, uh, developed a friendship. I think he liked the way I drove and, you know, saw the potential. Um, and yeah, we've been doing it ever since just, uh, you know, anytime there's a serious decision on the table, um, you know, I rely on him to give me the, you know, good feedback on kind of what the, you know, both sides of the, the plate so to speak, you know, the good and the bad, and, you know, we can discuss it, um, and uh, he's always had sound advice, uh, no matter what the question is, so um, it's been a good relationship. Um, I've helped him, you know, kind of uh, expose his brand and what his, uh, what his products are capable of doing, and uh, he's helped me, uh, I would say, further my career and uh, keep me pointed in the right direction.
1: Yeah, uh, Rona's a very smart guy. He he, I I really admire what he's done in the in the industry. Like starting from his garage to what he has now, and he's still he's still very active in RC. He's, uh, they sponsor a lot of things. He's doing these different series. I think that's all great stuff. So, kudos to Rona, man. I've, I'm I'm nobody, but I think he's ve- he's been very good for the industry, and, and I love what Jay Concepts is doing, and you know, hey, good stuff, man. That's always yeah. good stuff. Yep. So let's focus. Let's talk a little bit about your eight scale career because this podcast is really more about Nitro, and because we believe Nitro is the glory. Uh, you really Thunder Tiger. That's what you kind of cut your teeth on an eight scale. And a lot of people may not know what Thunder Tiger is, but this is one of the top brands back in the day. You actually mm-hmm. run a Raw Nat with It which one was that, and where was it too?
0: Uh, I believe it was two thousand six, and it was at the farm uh, was in it? North Carolina.
1: The farm Where, two,
0: yeah, farm yeah, two. the, the yeah. farm two, yep. And uh, I was running obviously Proline at the time, that was really the only tire. I mean, back then, you had like two tire options, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you know, you ran crime fighters or bow ties, and uh, Richard working with Richard Saxon, and um, I think it was honestly one of my first big nitro events. Um, we went there, and uh, my buddy Jake Thayer came uh to be my mechanic and uh we walked away with the trophy. I mean I remember it was back then it was kind of if you could finish the main you were definitely gonna be fighting for the win. And uh, I think I qualified sixth or seventh, something like that. And uh Jake stayed up all night. I went to bed. He stayed up all night building that thing, gluing everything together. Shoe back then you had a shoe goose stuff. You know, it was like Digani used to call it, build your car for war.
1: Yeah. you know and that's that's what you had to do polishing shock shafts and all that stuff was this yeah the, was this the tunnel chassis or had they they had moved on through from the the regular chassis after that and the shocks were going th- were the shocks still going through the front arms
0: the kit was the kit still came with those parts but richard uh yeah we were running a flat chassis on that car i think we were running a raised rear end like raising the diff mm-hmm. um the shock yeah the front shocks went through the upper arms yeah um, which was kind of crazy. And, uh, yeah, the car was, was not, uh, a stereotypical car, you mm-hmm. know, it was definitely different and, uh, but it sometimes worked, you know, I don't want to say it definitely wasn't the best car, but yeah. it worked. Richard won some events with it. And, uh, then yeah, somehow I won the, won the nationals. A couple guys had problems in the main. Uh, I think Chad Bradley's tire fell off on the straightaway while he was leading and blew his engine up
1: um taylor james was in that race too taylor james was on fire in nitro at that time
0: yeah taylor james he was running jamming always super fast um yeah it was crazy it was kind of a surprise victory and um still to this day that's my only a scale national win so i need to you know what i didn't even realize that
1: that i need to you know what it's i'm gonna tell you to try and find out things about drivers on the internet and rc is really difficult like yeah. So I didn't even know that was your only raw Nats win, but um you've you got plenty of time for more, dude. Um so that's not a, a big a big deal. I'm sure you got a couple in the in the bag. Now another race that has escaped your grasp and you've come close is the worlds, the eight scale worlds. Do you would you consider the eight scale worlds like the upper echelon race that every nitro well every person that's racing offered wants to win?
0: Yeah. I mean, it is definitely, I don't want to say that we hang our hat on that race every year to like define, you know, our, Mm -hmm. you know, our career or our year or whatever, because it's, I mean, you just never know Mm -hmm. what's going to go, what's going to go down. You don't know what the track's going to do. You don't know what the weather's going to do. I mean, it's, it's a total crapshoot. You know what I mean? It's, and it's so long, you know, I've been to a few of these worlds where. You know, I've dominated a day or two of qualifying and then all of a sudden the track changes and I can barely put it in the main, you know, or barely finish top 10. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, that happens to a lot of people, you know, yes. it's. But, yes, if you can win the a World Championship, you can definitely hold your head high that you conquered one of the the gnarliest, the hardest, the longest events. And um, and you beat everybody. Mm-hmm. Because everybody goes to that race because, you know, it's still one of those events where anybody can win it. If you're a pro guy from anywhere around the world, you know that track could potentially suit your driving style or your car or your tire a little bit better that weekend. You know yeah. what I mean? So that's what makes it so crazy is you just don't know. You have no clue what's what to expect or what what's going to happen. So if you can end the weekend. Um, you know, on the podium or even just making the main because the weekend's so long, mm-hmm. you're like, Oh, all right. Thank God it's going pretty well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, cause it's, it's crazy, man. Yeah, for sure.
1: Well, I, I have a, like a little list here. And, uh, in 2008, you was running associated, uh, at the, at the farm to that race. I remember yep. you was very close. Um, yep. 2010 was uh, the one that Cody won. You was in the mix as well, but, uh, I don't I can't recall what happened there. Um, TLR when you, in 2014 in Italy, dude, you was f- out like front, like getting ready to dominate. And then I believe you had a servo go wrong.
0: Yeah, we can go through each list and I can tell you exactly what went. right. Well, let's do, do
1: 2008 it. then. Let's start there.
0: 2008 was the RC eight. Uh, I think our first worlds as associate with associated with our A scale car and, uh, it had rained and poured and just the week was chaos and uh cavalry and i i'm pretty sure we started first and second in the main after the semis um i started first and i led a lot of the event um a lot of the main um and came in for my last fuel stop i believe second to last fuel stop in the lead and fouled a plug in the pits no way yeah and just uh they changed the plug went back out and. Not sure where I finished. That was the Yerhara one. He went 10 minute stops. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 2010, that was in Thailand. And I led, uh, qualified on the pole out of the semis. Went basically the whole race in front. I think at the 40, 45 minute mark, um, I flipped over. There's a huge bank sweeper on the left side of the track. I was running a low C pull strap fuel tank pull to like open the tank for the pick guys. And my body didn't really cover it well to protect it from crashing. I mm-hmm. didn't learn this until that mean. And I flipped over and it just opened the tank just a little bit. It was like, it, what was crazy was live RC actually had it on video and they slow-mo replayed it for me. And cause I was playing on my pick guys that they ran me out of gas. Right. Um, and they actually showed me the video. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. So I ran out of gas like 10 feet before the start finish line to, as they called me in to come get fuel. No way. Uh, yeah, that was, that one was a heartbreaker. That one, I smashed the radio in my own. <laughs> <laughs> I, I walked back to the pit. We were pitting in these containers and I walked back there and I, I mean, I was seeing red cause it was so close and just exploded that thing. And I sweeped it up and went home, and bought a new one before anybody even knew about it. Yeah. And, uh, 2012 Argentina we had a prototype car that thing was really handmade Um, I got into the main I remember I think I was maybe the only guy with the associated car in the main I actually did get in the lead for a little while it didn't last long Robert Battle was untouchable at that race I think I ended up finishing fifth Um, and then what's next 14 that was which one was that
1: that was in Italy, the one Taiwan.
0: Yeah. So that was TLR. Yeah. That one yeah, that one was good. We made a lot I had just came onto the team, Team Losi. Um really not much experience with the car. Adam Drake and the rest of the team. We worked really hard and made it work on the concrete. I I t- I started on the pole out of the semis and uh what sucked there was in the semis, I remember the car feeling a little weird at the end of the semi, and I thought maybe it was just tire wear. Like, the, the front end wasn't as precise as I wanted it to be, and I thought maybe it was the tires. So came back, um, kind of went through the car, and uh, went back out for warm-up, and it still had that same feeling, and I had this sneaky you know, suspicion that it was probably a servo, mm-hmm. and it was too late, um, and I uh, was kind of losing steering but I, I was leading car was amazing went through this crazy high speed chicane in the back of the track and just wasn't even close i i can't believe i didn't saw the front of the car off and then that just tko'd the servo the rest of the way yeah um that yeah. was a bummer
1: it was a shame dude because you was way out front like you was just yeah. it was pretty I, I remember watching that race and i was like no way no way
0: yeah that one was heartbreaking i remember walking down and you know jason he had made a bunch of new tires for that track and we had the best tires everything was working great and just it was a bummer man yeah. that 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 was a bummer for sure and and then 2000 what's next 16 uh yep in vegas that was in vegas yep that one i just i i went in really confident we had done a lot of rough track testing because we knew that track was going to be crazy um and it just, uh, man, I never got the car to where I needed to be. Um, I think I basically circulated, I barely made the main, I circulated around probably, you know, between seventh and last, basically the whole hour. And, uh, yeah, I just never got it going. Um, and then obviously 18, yeah, went okay. A little yeah. better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, that brings us, you did really well. I mean, You you finished third, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So now that brings me to your eight scale program now, which is um, you you joined Mugen in two thousand seventeen. Yes, after you and that era, and it's your eight scale program has been like top notch, been solid ever since. Uh, What do uh, what do you think has made that happen. Is it the people that you're working with? I know Drake and True are helping you out a lot. I watched them guys help you out a lot at, at the DNC this year. But I mean, I think so like really the the Mugen has suited you since you, you joined.
0: Yeah, I mean I think just coming to a brand like Mugen, they obviously have decades of experience with racing A scale and you know the cars are very I don't want to say easy, but you know, they're solid. You know, that doesn't take, it doesn't take a ton, uh, to figure out the car. And especially when you have a guy like Adam, um, that's doing this every day, you know, right when I got there, he, you know, I went to Mugen and he built, you know, I, I sat and built a car with him Mm -hmm. and he taught me all the little tricks and, uh, you know, secrets and which there really isn't many, you know, Mm -hmm. just, uh, to make sure he put this together that way and yada, yada. So, um, yeah, it was a really smooth transition, uh, having Truey on the team as well. He's he's good with the setups and, you know, watching a car and kind of seeing what it's doing and uh, being able to turn that into, let's, you know, move the move the shock here or the upper arm on there or whatever. And uh, so it's, yeah, it's good. I mean, you, you're only as good as the people around you, and mm-hmm. those two are uh, one of the best or some of the best that's ever raced. Um, and obviously the car... You know, speaks for itself. You know, it's not always the fastest car, but it's never the slowest car. And you know, you can kind of uh, you can tune it to almost any uh, surface, which is very important. Um, and yeah, it's been great. We've had a lot of a lot of success, a few heartbreaks, um, but we, it's been there's been a lot more good than bad, and uh, that's all you can ask for in racing.
1: Oh yeah, I I definitely think the good has outweighed the bad. I mean, it's it's been pretty good. And that leads me into our next question. I I talked to you at DNC the Sunday before uh, the finals. And two people stood out to me that day who I thought are going to win. Actually, three. Um, You was very confident. And I think you was really fired up about the whole Euro versus USA thing. And Ron was the other person who was very confident. We we know he broke. And Ongaro was confident, too. But Mm. you actually went out there after... Uh, you and Rundolph, kind of checked out, and then you caught. He made some mistakes. You caught him up, and you passed him, and then he broke. And then it was just like, like you just like kicked it into overdrive, and was just like, yeah, that's it. You just, as for better terms, you mayfielded DNC. <laughs> so, what was your thinking like? Because when I spoke to you on in, in the morning, you was like super. Like I could, I could. I don't know if I, I was there. I was looking. Like the the intensity was there, and you're like. I'm going to beat these guys. Like this is what I'm going to do. So and you wasn't at that time at to that time you wasn't the fastest guy. Ronda Falk was fast, Ongaro was fast, but we all know that the fastest guy in qualifying doesn't always win the race. So how did you like let's like talk us through the race and talk us through like your pre-race mental program that you went through before that. Yeah, I
0: mean the you know, any of these nitro races it doesn't I mean obviously you want to qualify well, but you want to you want to go off of what the car feels like, you know, for a long race, especially at a race like the Nitro Challenge because it's the practice is so limited. Um, I mean, even qualifying's limited, you know, three-, five-minute runs. Mm-hmm. So you really got to spend every moment on the track not worried about speed so much but worried about what the car is doing for the entire time you're on the track um, and trying to find the most comfort, you know. If you can find the most comfort and you're out there TQing, then cool. But, you know, when, he, when I'm coming back and, you know, after maybe getting a second place run or a third place run, I'm not really focused on how do I go finish first. I want to try to focus on what do I need to do to make this thing more comfortable for the 45-minute main or hour-long main, whatever, whatever it is, whatever race we're at. Um, so that's really what I, I tried to do. I knew I had a very comfortable car going into the final, which was I knew was going to be key because the basically all the conditions were severe mm-hmm. the weather conditions were severe the track conditions were severe the lighting conditions were severe so um i just knew that that if i could make sure the car was put together right and uh i didn't do anything to cause harm to my to my race uh as far as you know maybe picking the wrong fuel mileage and um you know, picking the wrong tires, whatever it may be, that I was going to have a shot to win. Um, so that was, you know, really my focus, just going in. And, uh, you know, I was probably a little bit fired up. You know, I, I don't get uh, where this whole Euro thing came from. You know, this whole gyro talk started last year at the mm-hmm. at the Nitro Challenge. And it was probably started a little bit before that. And, yeah. You know, basically this came about because – at Padova, where a lot of these guys race, gyros are illegal. Are illegal?
1: They're legal. Yeah. Yeah,
0: they're legal. So now they they all tell us that you know pro guys can't make a gyro work like they're for the beginners. They let the beginners use them, and you know which may be true. Mm-hmm. But you know we went the Nitro Challenge last year. Um, it was. You know, all of a sudden there was two guys, I won't name names, that went crazy fast in one of the qualifiers. And, of course, that sparked mm-hmm. a conversation. And then once they started checking for them and they were uh, announcing that gyros are illegal and if we find them, you'll be removed, all of a sudden they weren't fast anymore. So <laughs> I think that's really what just kind of, for us, almost, I don't want to say solidified. Right, but just kind of like, okay, this is weird, you know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and uh, of course, ever since then, it's been the talk of the town, um, you know, obviously, at the worlds, um, what went down in tech afterwards. you know, yes, I don't know who brought up that Ongaro might be using a gyro. I know I was approached by a couple people accusing me of saying it, but I definitely wasn't the guy. You know, obviously I probably was talking about it amongst my inner circle, but yeah. I never, you know, accused anybody officially, mm-hmm. you know, to any, any of the roar or uh, excuse me, Ifmar officials, um, there was no official protest, uh, filed by anybody. And, you know, they did a sweep of his car. They did a sweep of my car. They did a sweep of Ty car, Ty's car, and they never, you know, they didn't find anything. So, right. um, I think, You know, there, maybe there was some guys playing with them, um, at a few of these races, but I don't think they are anymore. Okay. Um, you know, and, uh, if they are running them, maybe they're just, you know, it's not helping them quite as much on some of these tracks as it was, potentially was, but you know, I don't know. It's all speculation, Mm -hmm. you know, and I. I think anytime time you see, for any of us, you see somebody going fast that so you're not used to going fast, you might think the first thought's like, Well, what are they doing? Yeah. You know, different than what I'm doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then if somebody goes, oh, they're doing this.
1: It gets planted kind of in see. your mind. And you're right. like, oh, yeah, I can see that. I understand so,
0: that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's never been this, you know, now there's this.
1: I think it's this, friendly, like, though. I think it's good for RC.
0: It is, but it's, you know, it's not because this is a really small world, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And we all have to race each other and it's not like there's all these new people coming in, you know what I mean? Like we all have to race each other and we all have to do it competitively and we all should be doing it respectfully as well. And at the nitro challenge, I wasn't feeling that respect. A lot Mm -hmm. of us weren't feeling that respect, um, coming from their direction from a few guys, you know, the, the truggy main when I was coming up to lap a few people while well, Ngaro was in second. I mean it was like they were had all all guns out shooting for my truck and luckily I just wasn't letting letting them catch me. You yeah. know what I
1: mean? I mean that's wrong. Don't get me wrong, I don't yeah. believe in people should be should be trying to take out if you feel like people are trying to take you out. I don't agree with that. I wanna see racing. I like the I like the rivalry because like it's good to see because I think it I think in all racing uh drama and rivalry it makes it exciting but i don't want to see like i want to keep it friendly like i talk about it a lot but i keep it friendly because i like to i like to tease a lot of my american friends and i i love it but when you start taking it and like you're saying you feel that they're purposely trying to do things to you then it goes too far i do agree with you there
0: so
1: yeah i mean i think it's just
0: you know the the communication barrier is not Mm-hmm. You know, it's not there because we obviously all don't speak the same language. Um, but, you know, I think the respect level should be there. And, you know, maybe they're not feeling the respect from our side because the gyro talk is so rampant. Yes. Um. So I, there's definitely blame on both sides. And, you know, hopefully we can just be done with this gyro thing. Yeah, I think you know, so, too. I think
1: we got to get rid re- We just like un- this is how I look at it until somebody actually gets caught with one. Nobody's using them. That's how I look yeah. at it. So, yeah,
0: I agree. But it's, it's you know, hard. anytime you're just like, if somebody's coming to these races and they're just blowing you out, like, okay, tenths of a second's fine, but like, if somebody's going seconds faster than you, it's always like, wait a minute, you know what I mean? Like, so that then the the conversation's gonna come back.
1: Mm-hmm. So, always. unfortunately,
0: now, yeah, unfortunately. So hopefully, everybody's racing fairly and the the truth to the matter is we actually don't have a way to tech it unless you bring in people that know what these electronics are you bring in people from sanwa from ko from futaba and they actually tear these things down to the bone there's no way to tech for it so Mm -hmm. until we're actually going to do that the conversation is going to exist so which is unfortunate, but it just is what it is.
1: Yes, yes, I agree, man. I'm I'm kind of tired of hearing it. I I understand both sides of defense. so I'm I'm just like, but I just say it. Like until we until we catch them, on if they're using them, and until somebody gets caught, it's 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 hard to say. So, yeah. but I still like the rivalry, and I think it's good because I you know I'm all I'm I just about making RC exciting, but I want it to be respectful, and I'm always about friendly rivalry. I don't want You know, I know emotions. Like emotions, get carried. It's racing. We're men. We're racing. Yes, we're gonna get emotional at things. Like we want to win. We want to beat each other. It's 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 human nature. So I don't mind a little a little crap talk, a little banter, as long as it's not like stupid. Like like. And the
0: bummer thing about the whole thing is that the in Europe, this is the strongest group of drivers they've had in in, a long time, uh, ever in my racing career. Really?
1: Well, in your racing career?
0: Yeah, Yeah. in my racing career. I mean. Mm -hmm you have four or five guys that can go to any event and mm-hmm. compete for the win. And, you know, America, we've always kind of had the stronger crop of drivers, but right now, I mean, it's like, it's yeah. crazy. The competition is, is
1: uh, amazing. Yes. And,
0: you know, all those guys work, you know, their tails off to be as fast as they are. Um, And they're all great drivers yes. and they all work super hard and they, you know, they do do it a little different than we do. They, they run different setups. they, run different tires, but they can get to the same speed or sometimes faster than yeah. us. And, you know, when this conversation pops up, it's a bummer for them. Yeah. You know, it it's taking credibility away from their work. Um, and it sometimes makes us look like little, you know, whiny. Yeah. yeah. Rats, basically. Yeah. But, you know, it's at the same time, it's like where there's smoke, there's fire. And we're not the people accusing them. We have people from their country and, and from their federations or whatever telling us that it this is what's happening mm-hmm. you know what i mean so basically i think if if it's really happening they need to get they need to get it in check over there first yes and then you know then the conversation will start to uh, dissipate and it won't be such a thing yeah but
1: uh, yeah I, then i totally agree it and is what it is and the thing about the europeans we just talking about the the crop of racers that are coming up now in your time there's a lot of young guys they have over there that are, are fast and coming as yeah. well. And I, I just, I think it's, it's because, the, and they also focus a lot more on one class. Like they focus on eight scale and that's what they do. And they race yep. that all the time. So it, it, obviously you have to race 10 scale and, and go to all these different events. So it takes from your eight scale program. So I get it. One thing I wanted to ask you about uh, DNC. I saw you went with a different paint job with the white on the back uh was that did that help you out as well because that track wasn't well well lit and i'm sure the white body was good to help you out with your sight what i'm getting old man yeah we we all are yeah yeah
0: basically i had a race we had a race at tony schumacher's track uh the nitro compound here in arizona a new track great facility and uh it was dark you know basically i've always had a little bit of a problem with when I'm out in the sunlight all day long and then trying to get my eyes to adjust at night, you know, everything's really blurry and kind of my eyes glaze over. I Mm -hmm. think that's pretty typical of most people. Right. Um, but yeah, I was doing a race there and I ran an all white body and I could see my car fine. I looked at Spencer's car going around the track, Spencer Rifkin's car and I couldn't see it at all. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Oh man, I need to maybe consider making a change to something. so I just asked Jason to do me up some white bodies and, you know, not all white, but the scheme everybody yeah. saw at the Nitro Challenge. And, yeah, it was mainly just to see it better at night. Um, and it was a huge advantage, you know, just to be able to, you know, if you can see your car that much better, then it's going to help. Well, oh, you know yeah, I mean. of course. Um, So, yeah, I think I might keep them as my Nitro paint jobs. I think they look cool going around the track. It's yeah. easier to spot my car. Um, and uh, I'll keep the blue for the 10 scale side and a white maybe the white for the scale and um good stuff
1: yeah i think it's gonna be cool i think they look cool too now thank you another thing that i've noticed when i've i haven't i've been to a few races and i've watched you race is your ability to make up from mistakes you can when you do make a mistake you have the ability to like gain speed somewhere else to make up for it is like how is your focus when you're driving like okay like if you got this guy behind you that's chasing you where do you where do you go mentally to 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 keep your cool and say, "Okay, I gotta do this, and I gotta do that yeah, when I'm leading i
0: I know that obviously I'm going fast enough to be leading, and that the guy behind me is gonna have to obviously drive faster than me to catch me, so um, I just basically I tell myself, make them make a mistake, you know, so I try to lock it into where I'm. Just doing. I'm not doing anything crazy. I'm just doing what I know, you know, to do. What lines to do, just to like keep it at a certain lap time, um, and keep that pace just really steady, and uh, try to force them to make a mistake. Um, because you know it's the same thing. If I'm chasing somebody down, you know, I'm. When you're chasing, you're more likely to make a mistake because you know you're obviously pushing harder. Um, so. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's definitely a mental thing. You know, you just got to kind of uh, take a breath and you not not look at it as pressure, but look at it as a you know an opportunity to uh, I don't know, break the will of the guy behind you a little mm-hmm. bit. You know what I mean? Like just lock it in and cruise around and you know keep the pace and not worry about. It. You can't go faster. If you're already leading, you're going fast enough. So there's yeah. no reason to try to push harder. That's actually um, a good
1: quote. that's actually really a good quote Um, okay so you're 32 uh, you're in the prime of your career you're you're kicking ass you're doing well you're winning Uh, the world is every two years so the next one's uh, eight scale next year's in 2020 how much time do you have left do you think how much how many how many how how many more years can you be at this level
0: I have no idea you know I don't I don't think there's any I don't think there's any cases or drivers before uh, myself and Cavalieri Tebow um, to really go off of because I don't, you know, I don't think any of the guys before us, like the Pavitas and the Kenwalds and the Francis's, I don't think they were making quite the same money that we're getting paid now. Mm-hmm. And they weren't racing as much as we're racing. Okay. You know, you you really lose your ability or not lose but your ability starts to deteriorate when you stop racing yes you know what i mean or that if your focus is now somewhere else so those guys had to focus on careers outside of um rc because i mean at the end of the day the amount of time we put in um it's if you're not getting paid a decent amount of money it it can seem like a waste of time Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so um you know, not, I'm not saying that we're getting paid millions. We're not getting rich by any means, but, we're you know, we make enough to live a life and continue to work um, and do what we love to do, you know, and I don't know if those guys were afforded the same opportunities. Uh, most of them had jobs in the in the industry. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't really know. I think the mold or, you know, the mold's kind of being built right now, maybe for uh, how long you can do this, you know, and um i th- i believe that i can do it as long as my focus allows me to and that my you know attention can remain on racing and uh bettering myself and my equipment um so i hope to do it for a long time yeah. you know it's a great it's, i'm looking forward i have a son now i would love to do it with him um when he gets older because it is a great family you know hobby sport um, and it would be something that we can do together for a long time. Um, just like my father and I did. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I hope to do it for as long as I possibly can. You know, obviously if my abilities start to fade, then, you know, I have, uh, talents that can hopefully keep me into the, in in the industry, um, as far as, uh, testing and developing and, you know, whatever whatever yeah. somebody wants to put me to work doing
1: yeah that, that was um, my next question like do you, are you gonna race forever like saxton or do you think you just get a job in the industry i mean i'm sure there's a place at at j concepts for you eventually
0: yeah i mean i don't think there's any you know there's no pressure for me to do anything from anybody you know it's i'm gonna race as long as i can you know and that's kind of i think that's my goal that's cavalier's goal that's tebow's goal you know And if it's not their goal, it should be because, you know, this is a a once in a lifetime opportunity that we have, you know, at our fingertips, essentially. Yes. Uh, No pun intended. Um, But, you know, we get to do what we love and we get to travel the world doing it. And it is a lot of work and it's a lot of time away from home. Um, But when we're home, you know, I'm lucky enough. I get to be home. You know, Mm. I I don't have to go to a job. Obviously, I have to work and prepare while I'm home. Um, So yeah i don't know i i uh i hope to do it as long i mean even if i'm not winning races and i'm not you know being paid to race rc cars and go win anymore i still want to race yeah you know it's i enjoy it you know even outside of racing i have cars i go to the desert with and beat the crap out of them and really? you know it yeah yeah i mean it's, you like it's the bash hobby.
1: yeah oh yeah that's Hell, cool yeah, i like the bash, that's the you're problem into, is
0: nobody makes a strong enough car.
1: You into scale trail? I remember uh, Jason saying something about it on on podcast on his podcast with uh, with Gotti that you actually was he bought a whole crawler and a scale truck and all that stuff and got really yeah. Injured. I've done it all. I've had yeah. all the
0: boats. I've done airplanes. I've I've had the. I did the crawlers. The crawlers are cool because they look cool. Yeah, and the mechanics of them are cool, but they're too slow. <laughs> Um,
1: but you can drink beer while you drive them, like you know, just put some beer in your your camel back and go for a, a walk and do them.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure.
1: I yeah. I think you're just an RC enthusiast. I like everything RC, dude. I've even had a sailboat, like you know, we race them in Bermuda. Like well, I don't know sailboats. if I'd
0: go with a sailboat, but I'm with you. <laughs> I'm a I'm an enthusiast, absolutely.
1: Okay, awesome. You know, and and age is nothing but a number. I mean, I will give two great examples. Who I think about Drake is in his forties. He's, okay, Let's. he's not as fast as he used to be, but he still can get the job done. He's still fast. Yep. Be- Billy Easton's 42, probably going 43. He took a break from RC, and he's back racing again, and he's still doing good. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's feasible that you could be doing this. It's no, I believe you can be doing this in your 40s and still be competitive.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't see why not. You know, like I said, I think, you know, as long as I, if you continue to do it, and you continue to race and push yourself and, And the key is racing on a high level. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Going out and just burning laps doesn't do anything for you. You know, you have to race and race the the fastest guys. And that's what keeps you on your toes and keeps you, you know, keeps you there. So if I can keep doing that, then uh, I hope to do it for a long time, for sure. Cool.
1: Awesome. Good stuff. So we all know – You've been very outspoken throughout your career. You live your, you wear your heart on your sleeve. Um, you tell people what's on your mind and say what you think. Uh, do you think that? I think that's great. Honestly, um, I think more drivers should do that. Where does that come from? Is that just your passion oozing out and just like,
0: you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess if anybody's ever. Uh met my dad and you probably know where it comes from okay um but no i don't know I, i've kind of always been that way and it you know when it is my i would say it is the passion coming out of me or just my fire to win and um perform and you know sometimes it comes out in not a great way mm-hmm. um you know and uh you know i'm working on it i it's definitely been better i've uh been able to kind of Learn how to woo, saw, <laughs> yeah, Just kind of, and uh, but you know that it, it is what it is. You know, I I've had some problems in the past, smashing radios, and you know maybe uh, you know yelling and stuff like that, and driving my car into a wall, and mm-hmm. you know, but you know it's uh, it it is kind of what it is. You know, I've apologized for anything I've ever done wrong. You know, when you're in the heat of the moment, and you know you're going for a national championship win, or Um, you know, any win doesn't really matter. You know, everywhere I go, I want to win and I'm expected to perform at the highest level. And, you know, really, I only get mad at things that are out of my control. You know, if it's my fault I didn't win, if it's my fault the car broke, you know, I don't really get mad um, because I know it's my fault. But when it's something that I can't control and it was something that was uh, avoidable and it, you know, cost me the win, um, then, you know, there's anger there, you know, and that's, uh, honestly, you know, I don't think my, anybody I'm around would want it any other way. You know, obviously maybe I could handle it a little bit better occasionally. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, if I walk off the driver's stand leading the nationals and my car breaks, cause another car flipped across the lane and I'm not mad, then that just means I don't care. You know what I mean? And you know, when I see people getting emotional and getting, you know, pissed off about losing that just shows me that they care and that yeah. they're fired up. And, you know, at the moment there's no, there's no other way to, to handle that anger. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And you know, what else are, there's not like a punching bag right there. There's not, you know, a, mo- there's no private time for us to relax. Yeah. You know what I mean? And take a breath. Everybody's watching exactly what's happening. And especially now with social media, um, so everything gets blown out of proportion and, um, you know, I know I've been demonized online and, you know, I, people think I'm an asshole, you know, and, you know, it is what it is. The true people that are around me, my true friends, they know who I am. Um, they know I would do anybody or do do anything for anybody at any time. And, you know, but I, I do have a fiery streak and, uh, I think that's what also makes me, um, As good as I am at times is because
1: uh, I don't
0: like it. I I overcome adversity um, and I try to. And, you know, if that adversity is something that is not overcome, you know, I can't overcome it and it wasn't my fault, then it turns into anger Mm -hmm. and it's just part of it. So,
1: yeah, I think. Honestly, I was one of those guys that judged you. I always like liked you as a as a race. I think you're awesome. Um, and then, like, I would see you at these races, and I was like nervous to talk to you. Like, and I'm like, why am I nervous to talk to another man? Like, you know, we're all men at the end of the day, and we all we're all human, so we all make mistakes. And then we actually got to talk at DNC, and I was like, man, he's, he's you know. And I got to see different a different side of you, and I was like, yeah, he's just a regular guy. And and
0: most honestly, that side you saw that is me. Yeah. You know and I have a very intense face, I guess, and i'm I'm definitely an intense person um and when I'm mad, I definitely put off a vibe like stay the f away <laughs> mm-hmm. you know what I mean but i you know it's not intentional you know it's just yeah. who I am and i'm I work on it I try to get out of just get away when i'm if I'm in that kind of mood I try to just get away, you know, so I'm not showing that yeah. side but you know it's impossible to get away. You know you got to be there. You have to do your work, um, and you know I, I people say that I'm not very approachable, and you know I don't I don't feel I am. I, anybody that can co- anybody can come talk to me. I'm, um, you know, I definitely I for sure don't have the happiest face, the most approachable <laughs> face, but don't let that stop you.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, and I think people just need to realize, like I understand it, man. Um, you guys are in the limelight. Just this if you didn't have this passion th- like you said then something would be wrong then you wouldn't win what you win so i get it it's like yin and yang and you know what i don't i like that you're not politically correct i like that you're not vanilla i wish more drivers were like that i wish they did speak their mind because then it would make everything more exciting so i i i, I, I think you should okay if you want to turn it down a little bit i get that but Say what's on your mind, man. If you think this guy hacked you, like say that. And you know what? Next race, it's gonna people's gonna be watching to see what happens. That's what racing's all about, and, and that's what helps build racing and, and make it more exciting, in my opinion. So yeah, I mean, it would.
0: I agree. It would be nice if you know everybody understood that. You know, <clears throat> I understand that. You know, a, a rivalry is great, but it needs to be a friendly rivalry. Yes. You know, and if. If I go say something about somebody publicly, you know, it always gets taken out of context. So we really can't, like I said earlier, this is a very small world. We have mm-hmm. to see each other every week. Yeah. So you really can't go bash people. Um, and, but, you know, it's just, yeah, I mean, I speak my mind. I try to say what's on my mind. But uh, at the same time, I, I sometimes get in trouble mm-hmm. <laughs> with it. And, uh, you know, the, the court of public opinion doesn't often favor what i think or what i do but um luckily they're not the judge of me and uh you know just uh read the comments laugh have a good laugh with everybody and move on
1: you know what silences people winning when you're winning yeah. they can't say nothing They're like, uh. yep so and you've been doing that let's talk about what happened at uh the world's banquet that was involved you and of course involved uh the Finnish, the Finnish village idiot, Joseph Quagrain. Yep. Um and honestly, like I he kept saying to me, Oh yeah, me and me and Mayfield school, we're friends. And I'm like, I'm like, Joseph, like what are you talking about? And we we had this conversation at DNC. Uh okay. And I get your point 10%. I would have done the same thing you've done. So let's talk about that because it was it was funny. You actually succeeded in doing something that not many people have done in the RC industry, and that's to shut uh, Joseph up. So yeah. kudos to that because I haven't even figured out how to do that yet.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I mean it was, you know, obviously jo- Joseph. You want to talk about outspoken? He's obviously the king of that. Um, and most of the time, I I like what he has to say, and mm-hmm. he has good ideas, and um, you know. But then other times, you know, like he was. Basically, he was talking poorly about Adam. Mm -hmm. Um, That's kind of been going on for a long time. And, you know, it's fine if Adam is playing along, you know. But Adam, he's not playing along. You know, it's not funny to him. And he's not the kind of guy that's going to, you know, say anything publicly or or do anything. It's just not his personality. So, Joseph went up on stage at the banquet and said something. And, um, you know, I felt like when it was my time to go up on stage and yeah, I would just, uh, yeah, I mean, basically defend Adam, not saying Adam needs defending mm-hmm. that he's defenseless, but you know, I knew that, uh, you know, I, I just felt like that was the right point. That was the right time that everybody was there. And if Joseph felt that he could speak poorly about, you know, one of our, our greatest, uh, ambassadors in front of the world stage that, I could speak
1: poorly about him in front of the world stage, and
0: you know, to be honest, Joseph was a good sport about it. You know, yeah. and um, well,
1: you, he did turn red like a beet. I heard. So, you, yeah, I'm not sure.
0: You know, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't talk to him at the at the banquet, mm-hmm. um, but we did talk a couple days later until everybody got home, and yeah, we discussed it, and you know, there wasn't really any hard feelings, and we went to the next race, and we hung out and had a beer, and you know, it's all good. So,
1: yeah, I, I'm constantly on Joseph to to stop this. Like, you know, I understand his point, but he like, this is Joseph and he's hard headed. And I get that he like, is like, well, I'm joking and whatever. I say, yeah, but not everybody gets your humor. And maybe he doesn't want to be a part of, it. I would love Drake to partake in it. And, and, and it would be fun and it could be friendly. I would love them to, I I've told jo- Joseph countless times, man, you should, you should stop this. And you and Drake should talk because you have, I, I think there are two very popular figures in RC. Love him. or hate him. Love or hate him. Joaquin is popular and Drake is obviously popular. I think, I think if they work together, they could do a lot of good things, but you know, we have, we're men and we have egos. So Joseph has his ego. He doesn't want to stop. Drake doesn't want to be a part of it. So I get it. Hopefully one day they can squash it and, and be friends, but I totally get, because if you would have, like, imagine if you would have, been like you said to us, you would defend your boy. So I get it. I totally get it. And people obviously read into it and all that type of stuff. And yes, it, it, it honestly pissed me off because I woke up and was like, oh, man, we had a really good world. What the hell is this? Like, yeah. You know? And then I was just like, and then I, you know, like I said to Joseph, I said, sometimes you just, sometimes there's a place, time and place to say things. You should have went up, got your trophy, said thank you, and sat down. But, you know, it's Joseph. And that's, that's what we've come to know as Joseph. So. But you yeah, guys are I mean, still friends. Just
0: people haven't, you know, people, you know, Joseph criticizes people publicly. And typically people don't you know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: return the favor essentially. And there was no malicious intent behind anything. It was mainly just me thinking like, All right, you know Yeah. Enough's enough. You you you've said enough. I'm gonna say my piece, you know. And uh you know, there yeah, there was no Yeah. There was no feud or anything going on. And, you know, to be honest, it probably wasn't my place to say anything. You know, it wasn't my fight. Yeah. Um but it had been gone going on long enough and you know, I know, uh, I know it was well received in the audience <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem with Joseph. I like, like I said, I like some of the things he says. I like some of the things he does. Um, the other stuff, yeah, not so much, but you know, bad publicity is good publicity sometimes. And, you know, it's the same, same thing. All, you know, whatever the saying is, all publicity is good publicity. Yeah. So, um, and he's definitely, uh. He definitely has taken a hold of that method, and it's worked well for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, but at the same time, i I would like to see the I would like to see both of them come together and just squash it. And you know, I, I just I just think the I just think they can do good things together. And but that comes on both sides, and it has to start with somebody. But maybe in the years to come, when Joseph gets a little older, we'll see. I don't know. I can't speak for Joseph, but I have told him many times, many times. Come on, man. You, you know, let's stop this. Yeah. Um, But that brings me on to something that you've been very passionate about Uh, that I've heard you say many times on, on, on videos or interviews, and it's about having a, a world, a series or a world series to actually crown a champion. We're, we're more talking about the worlds. We all know the worlds happens every two years. Um, It's a great race. I really enjoy watching both the 10 scale off-road worlds as well as the 8 scale off-road worlds. We get to see the best people racing each other. DNC was a great example of that this year. We had a lot of the European guys. We had all the American guys. It, was, it, it had a very world's flavor, I would like to say, like a world's atmosphere. I want to see that happen more. And also, like, let's be real. You've, you've had times where you could, like, like your Nationals back in 2017 when you was dominant. Oh, no, last year, last year at the Nationals when you, when you had that, uh, when you flamed out in your semi, if yeah. the Nationals was actually a series, that would have raced. You could have come back in like two or three races and and, and and won that. And I think we have to have that in RC, and you've been very vocal about that. Um, what do you feel? I know you're very I know you're vocal about it, but what do you feel about RCGP? I think most pros think it's think it's a great idea. I know a lot of people's problem with that is Joseph. But I think at the end of the day, we have to get over that and and focus on what he, what's what's trying to be done for RC as a whole? Yeah,
0: I mean, my problem isn't with Joseph at all. I mean, initially, like I said at the banquet, mm-hmm. you know, Joseph was trying to get us to buy into this idea, and he was doing it. I felt the wrong way by, you know, still mm-hmm. being publicly you know, Crit- disrespectful to a few of our top guys, and mm-hmm. but we've hashed that out. And you know, I, my problem isn't with Joseph, and I don't really have a problem with RCGP at all. I guess if I had any complaint, is that they're, I don't think this is really the right way to do it. Now, I think what they're trying to do is great. But to ask all of us pro guys to basically replace existing races that have 500, 600, 700 entries of customers that buy our product, and we go to these events instead... With, at this point, no following, no customers, we don't know what to expect, is a little ridiculous, to be perfectly honest. Now, if they would have approached us with the idea of, we want to come in, not approach us as drivers, but what I think would have been great, and what we've always said, is that somebody with this idea and the money behind them, like what they have, come in for a year or two. And prove you give us a proof of concept that this is what they want to do and use existing races, Mm -hmm. use the nitro challenge, use the silver state, use the nationals, use the European nationals, you know, use these events and then show us how this point system works and how your, you know, your media abilities work and show us your ability to bring in outside sponsors and stuff like that. And you're already using events that have, you know, like i said 5 600 entries at some of these mm-hmm. events and everybody's going to be there already mm-hmm. so now that would be a way to do it i think that would be an awesome way to do it and you're not expecting companies to come out of pocket with extra money that they have not budgeted for which is really the the biggest issue at this moment with with uh you know companies that aren't willing to you know, not, not not it's not that they're not willing. It's that mm-hmm. they didn't budget to spend this much money. Mm-hmm. You know, for us to go to the Philippines, to go to Europe three more times, you know, that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So I like the idea. I think there should be a World Series type uh, format. Um, but it would have been, I think, more well received if they would have worked with... Guys like Joey Christensen, which now Joey puts on the Dirt Nitro Challenge and the Silver State. So that would have been easy Mm -hmm. to get that on board. Um, You know, and then whatever other races there are, you know, there's a few in Europe that already exist. Um, And, you know, I don't know how the, you know, the logistical side of things would have worked. um, But I think that would have been an easier pill to swallow for most of the companies and most of the drivers than... You know, asking us to add five events to our already thirty-plus race weekend schedule mm-hmm. a year. Um, I get but that. I hope them well. I hope they. I hope it works. And if it does work this year, maybe we'll be there next year. Yeah. You know, who knows? I think, knows? It, I think
1: it's great. Can I just uh, rebuttal to some of your questions? Is uh, originally I know that they were planning on doing it alongside other races, but the way the RCGP format is, it's not possible. They tried to. They tried to do it with uh, Joey. It's just the, well, that's
0: my complaint: is right. that they they are trying to completely change racing. They're trying to change our racing that we already have, which I can appreciate that if Mark qualifying is boring mm-hmm. and these races are super long and they're five days long and all that stuff. But what they're also trying to sell is is that they are amazing like media content ability. Yes, you know what I'm saying. So if they came in and gave us a proof of concept. thing, that they can put together these awesome media videos for us to use and spin these storylines to where it's super cool and use those those tools that are already at their discretion, basically, or their disposal, to paint this portrait of how awesome racing is. Well, to get outside sponsors... And then they can do their own events and mm-hmm. use the format they want to use to make it even more exciting. That's what I, we feel, kind of as a group, would have been the best way to do it.
1: I, I understand that, and I know that originally was the plan. But it's—I know because I kind of was. In, I'm kind of in the backgrounds of this. I know that they've approached outside sponsors and stuff like that. But as an outside sponsor, I'm like, oh man, what am I going to cater to? Am I going to? And, and don't get me wrong, all these races, the dirt silver state all these races that like look like guys like me get to go to they're great and we, they still have to happen don't get me wrong um but i think I, i've said this over and over i think at the end of the day as as rc is in general we're not really perfect you're a professional racer you t- attack your job professionally but i don't think we we promote rc professionally now in order to do that you have to have somebody with vision and and we and i think also doing that and putting it on a platform where other people that are into RC can see that helps because I, I'm all about growing the industry because the more people racing RC cars, the better it is for you, the better it is for manufacturers, hobby shops, tracks, everything. So that's another goal of RCGP. I get that some people, I get it. You want to see this and you want to see that. But until you actually do it, it's hard to, you know. Yeah, for
0: sure. I it's mean, they're, hard to. they're trying to set a trend. They're trying to create something new. Mm-hmm. And. I respect that absolutely, um, but I think they got a tough road ahead of them as far as proving to the to, to all the teams. I know there's some people that have decided to give it a try, and good for them. Um, but to try to get you know all of us, especially this year, I mean, the first round in the Philippines is the same week as the Silver State. Yeah. I mean, I know who in their right mind's is really going to pass up going to Vegas to but, go to the Philippines, but no offense to the Philippines, no. but. You know, I um, get it. T- scheduling is tough. It's just hap- You know, it happened that way. Well,
1: unfortunately, um, the Philippine race has kind of been on that date for the last four or five years, and then Silver State started last year on that date. So yes, it's. I don't like. I'm going to be watching both races. I'll be watching this, and I'll be watching uh, Silver State uh, because I think Silver State's going to be a great race as well. Yeah. Um, but I just think, man, I you know, I get. I hear people saying we need change, and we need this, and we need that, and why isn't R Street RC mainstream and Why is drones on, on RC and I mean on, on TV and, and and we can talk
0: about that too. I mean, let's look at, have you ever watched drone racing?
1: Yes, I have epically boring it is. It's very boring.
0: You can't even tell what's going on. You can't see what they are doing. It just looks like three blurs of light going by at 110 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. So from the story I've been told now, take this with a grain of salt that, Basically, some TV execs got into drone racing, and they pumped a bunch of money into getting it on TV. So, if that is the case, there's, it's not because there's a viewer demand; it's mm-hmm. because there was money behind it. Yes. So, not to speak poorly about our racing, but if if you can step back and not and just pretend you don't know what you, what's going on, and you're watching a main event,
1: of course, I know where you're going with this. Can you even tell what's happening? No, because we're not catering it to spectators. We're catering it to us that know what's going on. But
0: even if we did cater it to spectators, I mean, the way the cars are painted with all the stickers and, you know, they just look like blurs going around the track. I mean, you would need some pretty high-end TV crew to be able to follow those things around up close. And, yeah, I'm saying – I'm not saying it's not possible. What I'm saying is that RC racing is – not a spectator sport, especially at this point. Mm-hmm. What it is, is it's a participation thing. Anybody can do it. And anybody can race at the same track that I'm racing at, that Joseph's racing at, all around the world. And that's what we need to be catering to. at this. It, that's my opinion.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but how about if we grow that, that? How about if we make that bigger? So uh, the, this is my thing. If we make this bigger, like, so we have 500 entries, well, 700 entries at DNC. But next year, okay, maybe we don't want 1,000 entries because that's a lot. Of, that's a lot. But I, my thing is all about, RC is so small. I actually did a little, uh, I just went on Instagram the other day and I looked at different drivers and our that top drivers like Rana Falk, Cav, 11,000, 12,000 viewers, uh, followers. Then I looked at like motocross. The average motocross guy has 500,000 followers. So if, Think of it like this. If 150 new people got into RC just in America ne- this year, that would impact the industry a lot. Now imagine yeah. if 1,000 people got into it over over this year around the world. That impacts our industry a lot. The problem is, like you said, people don't know what we're doing. Uh,
0: and Well, there's also no danger involved. Exactly. There's no hot chicks involved. Well, we have to you make know. it cool. I think we have well, to make it cool. I agree, but I think what makes it cool is that Everybody can, like, nobody can go do what Tomac does. No, of course. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying anybody can pick up a radio and do what I do, but they can also go drive around the same track and drive the same Mm -hmm. car. That's what makes it unique. So I think catering to its uniqueness instead of trying to make it like motocross, because it's never going to be like motocross unless we put fire pits out there and the marshals got to wear helmets and, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, make it some sort of, like, death race type thing. Well, you... you know. Sorry, that's not gonna
1: happen. You participated in (laughs) we can just about marshal now, like my fat ass be out there tripping all over everything. Um, remember the race that you, I think you won a four wheel or a, I think Tebow won, it had, yeah, it
0: was the Manufacturers Cup in uh, Uh,
1: Idaho, I think. Yeah, I think Rick McCreary and those guys put it on. I like to use this because this was pre-social social media wasn't that big and there was no Facebook Lives and none of this stuff. I mean, even live RC was in its infancy doing this. We've come a long way since then. I thought this was the best thing to ever happen to RC. The track was like the spectators were the spectators were that had the biggest jump. The winners you won like a, a I think you won a did you win a four wheel? Yeah, I won a quad. Yeah, that's that's so awesome. Like they handed out. To the guy who won open, they handed out a year TLR sponsorship. Now, if we can take that and make it and broadcast it around the world, we change things. I understand. Yeah, we, we participate. I want to race. I mean, the RCGP races have uh, the RC two class for the racers. So, okay, I know that the Ameri- like a lot of Americans, can't go to the Philippines because it's expensive. But around that area, you have the guys from Thailand, you have the guys from Japan, you have the guys from Australia. And all that that will take part in that part of the race, but the actual pro side will be completely separate. And not separate, would you? They'll still be there, but it'll just be on a more professional level. And they'll still stream the RCT part, but they'll the the video production comes for the rs for the professional side. And I think I look. I understand a lot of people say we don't have information, you don't do this. It's different. And whenever you're trying to do something different, there's always going to be naysayers and. It's always, we're trying to change a culture that's been going on for what, 35 years now? We've been racing the same for 35 years and we need to grow our hobby some way. We need to get new people in there. We need to all be working together to do it. I mean, even even the guy, we sponsor people. Your company, you can sponsor people because we want them to go out there and get more people involved. If And people do that, don't get me wrong. But I just think we need to think bigger. And I think as... I say this all the time. As an industry, the manufacturers need to come together and work together to make things to to grow the in, to grow the hobby. And then, when that happens, everybody eats. We make the pie bigger, and everybody uh, gets has more money to do more things. So then, products like products become cheaper, more innovative. Racing becomes better. But this is my spiel. I've done it a, a whole bunch of time. I I I get what you're saying as well i i really hope to see you racing in it next year i think it's it's a shame that you aren't this year but i understand i do understand why don't get me wrong i just i'm just passionate about it because i want to see you racing there yeah i
0: mean there's no there's no reason other than budget really Mm -hmm. and that we're you know we've scheduled to go to these events um you know and the, the events that we're that we're already going to and you know, it's a lot of money. I mean, people don't know how much it, how much they're asking for from a team to send two guys. Um, and, no, you know, right. I
1: understand they have bills. Mm-hmm. And uh, To be fair, yeah, the, they, the money that the companies will pay is nothing compared to what has actually gone into this. And
0: No, I, I, I understand that, mm-hmm. but it's still mm-hmm. a substantial amount of money. And like I said, there's no proof of concept. There's nothing. Uh, right now we're going on their word Mm. that this is what they want to do and this is what it's going to what's going to happen and you know that's that's a hard pill to swallow for any company Mm -hmm. you know so um but i wish them luck and i you know if it seems like they're doing all the right things and um hopefully it does turn into something bigger because you know i want to see the industry grow we all do um and hopefully this is that platform yeah um and uh yeah, I might be there next year. We we might all be there next year.
1: Um, I just I just want to see, we'll see you and all the best guys race more. That's all I want to yeah. see. And I think you want to do it too. I think if that happens, everybody's level of racing even goes up. That's yep. the amazing part about it. But enough about that, man. We actually have. I know it's getting late. You know, you got things to do. Well, not late, but it's it's early morning. I actually have a few um viewer questions that we're gonna do. And then I'm going to go into our fastraceshop.com 10 questions, 10 seconds segment. So I'm going to pick a few questions. Uh, you can answer them as quickly as possible. Uh, and we'll go from there. So um, actually, here we go. Uh, Tyson Walsh, She says, taking a look back when you switched from TLR to Mugen, was that decision made on just the car? Or was it more of the people that went there, i.e. with Drake and when Drake went to Mugen?
0: Uh, yeah, there was a lot of, uh, things going on at that time. And, um, it was really a way to diversify my portfolio, I guess you want to say, you know, anytime you can race for, you know, more companies, you know, it, it makes what they pay you smaller for them, but it can add up more for me or for the drivers. Um, and you know, I'd always wanted to run for Mugen. I mean, Jason and I would talk like we thought that that car probably would suit my driving. The best, obviously it's what a lot of people base their designs off of. Um and the only way that I could have done it is by, you know, working with a company like Yokomo. that, mm-hmm. you know, finding two companies that that do the opposite of each other. And uh, I actually spoke to Yokomo first um, because I I've known Yokomo for a long time. Obviously, they've been around forever, um, and we got a deal. We got a deal put together, and it was very positive And they told me they were willing to do whatever it took, um, and they have. And they've made uh, we make we made great changes, great cars now. And uh, I jumped into the Mugen program, and it was a pretty easy transition, especially with Drake already being there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's. Uh, yeah, it's been good. I think uh, you know there wasn't any one one reason why. Um, there was a com- you know a conglomerate of things, um, but it's been great.
1: Awesome, and I want to say, my boy Enzo Albertoni, it's his birthday today. Happy birthday, dude! He has a question yep. for you. He says, "Has Ryan ever considered maybe doing a drive-in clinic like Tebow has at any future eight-scale or ten-scale races?"
0: Um, I have, but it's just time-wise and you know it i think maybe doing a clinic you know kind of help with car questions might be a little more valuable you know Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know at the end of the day i I think it's hard to try to tell somebody how to drive i can explain like line choice you know picking lines and stuff like that um but telling you how to turn the wheel and pull the trigger that's a different thing you know what i mean so um you know doing a clinic um to help with cars set up setting up throttle linkage and stuff like that that's one thing um but you know that takes time and you know now with the family oh yeah you know know,
1: racing 10 scale
0: and a scale uh, there's a lot going on so i say maybe maybe one of these days
1: i say people don't realize all the time that goes in before before you do race and yeah i agree with it this actually comes from max mort um he says ryan seems to always have maximum power He can get his, he can get on his stuff, be it electric or nitro. He says, did you make a conscious decision at some point in your career to learn to drive with a lot of power and be, and still be smooth on acceleration? And he says, basically, he thinks you're smoother than a lot of drivers, or was this something that naturally happened?
0: Um, I don't really know when I wasn't smooth. People still think I'm like punched, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and drive out of control and, um I definitely did. I I think probably 9 or 10 years ago. Um I was for sure like that. Um but I think probably ever since the brushless motor days started coming around and the LiPo batteries we've had um an excess amount of horsepower and you know I've kind of I've always been the guy that wants especially in nitro. I want the most horsepower you can give me. Mm -hmm. And then I will dictate how much power I deliver to the car. And in turn, I will get better mileage and I can control if I need the power or if I don't need the power. Okay. So I try to, uh, electric's a little different electric. You got to kind of tune it to be smooth. um, because the track, you know, it's just a little different. But A scale, I feel like, if you give me as much, much power as you can, and I will govern it from there. Um, so, yeah, I've been trying to do that for the last few years. And it does seem to work, as long as I can get the power out of it.
1: Awesome. Two more questions, because we have a bunch, and it's, we're going on an hour and a half here. Uh, will Smith. What's up, Will? What is your biggest challenge in holding the position of being one of the fastest in the industry? Uh, I don't think there's any challenge.
0: I think I love what I do and I have a great group of people around me that support me and help me, uh, you know, with my equipment at the events. Um, my family is very supportive. My wife is very understanding and, uh, you know, understands this is my job. I got to go, I got to work. Um, so I don't think there's any real challenges. I just, uh, I try to
1: just do everything I know to do.
0: and hopefully that turns into good results.
1: Awesome. And now this will be our last question. Where is it? Uh, this actually was a, a good question, I thought. Where is it? Tony Nisbet. He says, since you've been been around RC for so long and seen its evolution, what do you think has been the biggest innovation in our hobby in the past 25 years?
0: Mm. I know Tony. I've known Tony for a long time, local Arizona guy. Okay. Um Well, I would have to say probably the two things. Probably the rise of RTR cars, Mm -hmm. um, making it a lot easier uh, for your average guy just to go buy a car. Um, You know, I I heard some stat a few years ago that like 80 or 90% of RC cars sold will never go to an RC car track. I could believe that. Um, So, and that's the. You know, that's kind of the reason why most of these companies jumped on the RTR bandwagons because the RTR stuff helps support or does support the racing side of things. Um and then probably for the electric side, the elect uh you know, the the introduction of brushless and lipo. Uh yes. that's that was huge, you know. The run times increase tenfold, the power increases, uh it's easier. There's little to no maintenance that's been big nitro hasn't changed much to be perfectly honest i mean servos have gotten better engines have got everything's gotten better mm-hmm. um but it there's never been this i haven't seen this like one thing that makes it a lot easier maybe 2.4 <laughs> back yeah. in the day if you had a scale car glitch and take off that was always a bummer
1: yeah um no yeah no radio impalms or nothing to deal with that makes the go yeah. much faster yeah. cool for sure well, thank you for answering this for our, for our viewers, and thank you, viewers, for submitting the questions. I'm sorry I couldn't get to all of them, but there are quite a lot. And it, Ryan's been talking for a while, and we got to ask him to. We got to move on to the com. 10-question, 10 10-second 10 segment. Now we go into the Fast Trace 10 questions and 12nd segment. Fast Trace is a world champion option parts brand made in Italy. Fast Trace drivers include Davide Ongaro and Ricardo Bertone, and they run the innovative performance-enhancing parts that Fast Trace makes for most 1-8 buggies, including
0: the world-famous Honeycomb Shock Bladders and caps. Go to FastTraceShop.com and type in LEFTY2019 to get 10% off your purchase now.
1: So welcome, guys, to the shop.com. 10 questions, 10-second 10 segment. Ryan, are you ready for the uh, this segment? Sure. All I right. hope it's not
0: really only 10 seconds. It doesn't sound like it's going to work very well.
1: No, it never, <laughs> never does. It never does. Uh, all right. So the first question that I have for you is, if you didn't race RC cars for a living, what would you be doing? Probably mechanic. Okay. Number two, your biggest rival is? Uh, tie testman. awesome. Number three, if you could bring back one old school RC thing, what would that be?
0: Probably harder A scale compound tires.
1: Okay, uh, when I uh, why would that be? Just curious. Well, back when
0: I first started racing A scale, you had like two options mm-hmm. XDR or M2, and you really that was it it just it was a lot easier yeah now we mount yes you know 25 sets of tires and sometimes we still didn't mount the right set yes so
1: now this is my little joke to you because I know you're an avid fan of Coors Light if you Mm. had to drink any beer but Coors Light what would it be PBR what man I am gonna (laughs) get you the next time I see you I am gonna get you a Modelo or something like that man Come on. Adela's are so awesome. I meant to give you one at DNC. <laughs>
0: okay. they too filling, man. They, like, f- just drink one. I feel bloated. It's, <laughs>
1: it's good, for sure. I mean, I, I, I don't mind a Coors Light on a hot day, to be honest, but I I can't drink too much of them. Okay, yeah. number five. Have you ever considered uh, transitioning to a different discipline of, e- of RC as a professional, i.e. on-road, uh, or I guess that would be the... To, like, would you go racing a different discipline of RC?
0: I am this year. I'm racing the 10-scale Nationals with the Yokomo terrain Car. Oh, really? Yeah, and then I've been tossing around maybe racing the A-scale On-Road Worlds this year since it's in California, and I've always wanted to give that a shot, and this is probably my best opportunity to try. I'm um, not sure if I'm going to be able to do it just because it's such a long event. Um, do it. Yeah, it. I mean, I, go ahead. Do it. I said yeah, dude it. It looks cool, man. They're fast. They look they look badass. Um, I got Mugan said that they would help with uh, obviously the product and get me help with
1: working on it, and learning the ropes. So is, we'll see. Is Tim Tim Longs into that? Right. Oh yeah. Okay, yep. so that's good. All right, number six is Rona. Really into monster trucks that much?
0: I don't think as much as he leads on. I know he was really into them when he was a kid and he still likes him but it's also you know he's a smart businessman it's there's yes. a big underground yes scene of RC monster trucks and he's a, you know he's a, he's accepting of that and he wants to be a part of it you know and he wants to build the trucks he th- thinks are cool and you know one thing he's always done he builds things and makes things that he thinks is cool mm-hmm. and they seem to sell cuz if he thinks them they're cool most people think they're cool um so yeah he
1: loves them okay Number seven, the best race you have ever attended.
0: Ooh, I don't know. Um, as far as what, give me a little more.
1: Uh, let's do eight scale. Well,
0: I don't know. I mean, they've, there's been a lot, any of the probably just any A scale world. It's all the pageantry, mm-hmm. uh, especially in Europe. When yeah. you go to Europe or Asia for an A scale race, Um, it's a totally different vibe than America. You know, you're just, like I said, the pageantry, the, the, you know, they make sure you're taken care of, um, the world's in Thailand. I don't know if people have seen pictures of that place, but it was insane. It was like a, basically like a stadium they built with containers around the track and, um, just being on the driver's stand and looking around, it was like nothing I've ever seen. Um, I remember that being pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Um.
0: So yeah, probably just any A scale world is always
1: the best. Okay. Number eight: Ronafalk, Tesman, Cav, Tebow, or Rivkin. Which one has to get the love tap in a race? All of them. <laughs> 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 That's a good answer. Okay. Number nine: If you had only, if you could only race one class, what would it be? uh
0: I guess a scale i mean i i a scale definitely takes the most time takes the most effort and in turn that makes it the most satisfying um and the smell and the feel and the vibe you get yeah i mean it's it's definitely it's definitely one of the best for sure
1: okay and this question actually joseph wanted me to ask you this one he goes this is number ten. What is your thoughts on everybody being a pro?
0: As far as everybody being sponsored? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's good. Um, I think it's bad for the industry. I think it, it's basically the industry is shooting itself in the foot one toe at a time mm-hmm. because the only reason that we have places to race is because of hobby shops and tracks. And if all these companies just keep sponsoring everybody – uh, just to get guaranteed customers, contracted customers, as we like to call them. Um, that's just taking money out of the hobby shops' hands, and um, you know if the industry needs to work together on anything, they need to work together on that mm-hmm. and come up with some sort of like agreement that we're only going to sponsor X amount of people per region or per country or whatever, um, and or just sponsor people through a hobby shop. You yeah. know, say you Mugen calls. I don 't know hobby yeah. action, and goes, Hey, we want you to sponsor five guys we're going to give you x amount of product at a discount. you can still make your nut. we still make our money, and you're sponsoring people they think they're sponsored. done. you know what I mean so
1: that's a good answer actually. I like that I like that, but um we're done with the ten uh fast race fast race dot com ten questions ten seconds segment. Uh, you did. I think you did a good job. You answered them truthfully, and, and I, I like the savagery. I, I like I like the love tap thing. That's gonna. I think that's gonna be good. Um, I want to thank you for coming on. I know you're extremely busy. Um, would you Would you have any shout outs before we go? Want to thank anybody?
0: Yeah, obviously, I want to thank you for having me on. Thank all my sponsors: Mugen, um, J Concepts, Yokomo, Orion, MX, A Main Hobbies, Protect. Um, you know, everybody that supports me helps me do what I need to do. Um, appreciate everybody and uh, thanks to all the viewers for listening uh, I'm sure you guys are going to have some comments I can't wait to read them mm-hmm. and if uh, yeah I guess uh, maybe I'll come back on we can do this again and um, yeah, get man. some more viewer questions going on so
1: that' was fun: yeah I'm trying to do it when, when guys win big races as well and bring them on and talk to them briefly, not, not too long. but I do want you to help me with one thing and I don't know maybe maybe Drake's going to be a little bit ticked off at me because we kind of kind of got at it the other day on a podcast that he was doing. <laughs> but I really want to get Drake on the on her because I actually have nothing against Drake. I know he doesn't like Joseph, but I, I would like, I, I, I've that's one of the main guests I've been asked for on this podcast that they want to talk to Drake. And they want me to talk to Drake, and I think it would yeah, be good. Yeah, I mean,
0: Drake's a pretty private person, man. I don't know. Yeah. You know even if he did come on, he's not going to give you the gossip about Joseph and stuff I know. like that. I but, don't want
1: to talk about Joseph. You know. I want to talk about him and his 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 career. That's what I want to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I don't
0: see why he wouldn't. I mean, I, I'll mention it to him, and I'll tell him that you were fair to me, which you were. Yep. And
1: yeah, it'd be good. All right man, well I appreciate your time and you enjoy your day and keep up the good work man. You you want to you, you're kicking ass right now.
0: Sounds good. Appreciate it, buddy. All right, bye-bye.